Bringing you the top stories from Bonners Ferry to St. Mary's and everywhere in between. This is the North Idaho PrepCast with Ryan Skaggs. That's right. It's another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. We are breaking down everything in District 1 each and every week. Brandon Bainey with Ryan Skaggs. What's going on, Ryan? Not too much. Just uh, kind of... Enjoying the, the start of the month of November and all the madness that entails. So, <laughs> Yes, November madness for sure. Uh, we were talking before we hopped on to record. You were waiting for me. I was a little bit tardy, and so you were snacking on some leftover Halloween candy. That's right. right? <laughs> what's, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, It's a tie between the Haribo gummy bears or Heath Bar. I don't think my kids ever had a Heath Bar because those get dad taxed right off the top. <laughs> dad text i like that <laughs> uh so you're you're a gummy bear guy huh yeah those are like my snack of choice especially on road trips i'll always have a bag of gummy bears with me if i'm going on a road trip oh, okay see I, I i like the gummy worms I'm oh okay. gummy worms guy uh we can go to uh where i live we have a win winco foods right yep we have one here. Yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> you're common I mean, around the Northwest. Come on. I'm, I'm mansplaining here, right? Everybody in Idaho knows what Winco is. I have to remember because all my family live in Montana and Wincos yeah. are slowly popping up in Montana. But so I, I was in my mansplaining mode there. Oh, we've got this thing called Winco. Yeah. <laughs> it's all these things called paved roads. <laughs> you're right. I'm not sure if you have those in North Idaho. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, that's another topic for another day. Um, I love going to Winco and uh, to the bulk food section and just scooping into the big ginormous barrel of gummy worms and filling up my bag like two pounds at a time. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I got teased last year when I went to and did the state girls basketball tournament because I had like four bags of gummy bears in my backpack when we were broadcasting and in between games. I was like just munching on gummy bears the entire time. Yeah. Well, uh, Halloween's in the rear view mirror as are a couple of state championship events that took place this past week. Let's start with the state volleyball tournaments. They were uh, happening up in your neck of the woods at post falls and Lakeland and uh, Coeur d'Alene Lake city. And then over in Lewiston as well. Uh, the teams up North, did not do as well as I had anticipated. My my pick of Orofino went two and out. I, I picked them to win the 2A title. Um, Kellogg was out fairly quickly. Uh, the team that did the best in terms of teams up north was Post Falls. Uh, yep. They took home a fourth-place finish. Uh, I know they were hoping to compete for the championship, but they just ran out of steam at the end. Yeah, I mean, they had a, a – I mean, obviously, tough draw. They got Lake City in the first round. They actually ended up winning a game, too. Uh, Lake City – the Lake City girls did. Um, they ran into Madison, who ended up being the state runner-up. That I think any other year with any other team besides Skyview out there, um, Madison might have won the state state tournament. They're they're a pretty solid team. Um, they lost three to two to them. Um, then they came back and, and defeated Thunder Ridge three uh, two, and then lost to Eagle three one, who Eagle ended up taking third. So I mean, your two losses came to the two teams in front of you, so you're, you're close, and they're relatively close matches. Um, but the Post Falls volleyball, I mean. They had a great season. I mean, fourth place overall, not a bad finish by any means. You're taking home hardware, but uh, I know that they had aspirations of maybe, maybe you know, state championship game. Yeah, it, it was it was tough. I think when you look back at this post fall season as a whole, though, it's going to be considered a, a wild success because coming yeah. into the season they weren't on my radar. I'm not sure if they were on anybody else's radar because Coeur d'Alene has kind of 
had a stranglehold on the league and we knew Lake City was going to be good. And Post Falls kind of came, I say, out of nowhere. From my view, they came out of nowhere to really dominate the league and win the league title. Yeah, and I was talking to a couple parents and it was like they almost peaked a year early. They knew that they were going to be good next year. And then here they are showing up this year. And it's like, oh, it's kind of like we talked about with Sandpoint's football team. To where, like, we look at Sandpoint's football team, they could be dominant next year, too. Post Falls girls are the same way. I mean, if you're making early predictions for 2022, um, they're right up there in the mix as far as as far as placing a state. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch them uh, compete again next year. Uh, we also have the cross country uh, championships uh, at Eagle Island Park over in the Treasure Valley this past week. And again, Post Falls, uh, you know, uh, represented really well um, with uh, Sammy Wood. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations to Sammy and placing down there. I don't follow a ton of, of cross country, but, um, you know, I understand a great season and, and a, Finishing in the top 10 of state and cross country is, is an impressive feat in itself. So uh, congratulations and on the, on the great season. Yeah, I can expound a little bit. So coming into the, the five, a uh, girls competition, uh, Sammy Wood and also uh, Anastasia Peters uh, from post falls, each of them had the two best times overall times entering the competition and those two were really neck and neck for a, a large portion of the race it got down to about the final thousand meters or so and that's when peters who had been leading uh was passed by ali smith and and or ali bruce and sammy smith from boise and they ended up finishing one and two and then and then peters and, and wood finished uh in the middle of the pack so for post falls to have two really good runners representing and leading almost the entire way only to be passed at the end. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of there. No, not at all. I mean, Boise's historically got a strong program too. Um, and one thing that I will say about cross country, I mean, generally the only Northwest has been fairly successful with cross country. Um, if you look at the Spokane schools too, I mean, they've historically had some amazing programs to where I believe it was university of Oregon, um, hired one of the cross country coaches from a high school in Spokane about seven, eight years ago. So um, it's, it's an area that's, you know, we've got some great places to run and train. Um, you've got elevation differences in different terrains and a lot of, of great trail systems that are on road, off road mix and everything. So it's, you know, it's continuing to show that the North can be competitive. Um, Post falls, obviously trying to make those strides, pun intended, um, to, to get better and, and to continue, uh, some success. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Wood was at the front of my mind because she was such a great, uh, distance runner in track and field last year. And that's when I first started at idahosports.com. So I noticed right away that, Hey, she's pretty good. I'll keep an eye yeah. on her during cross country and her and Anastasia Peters both did really well for post falls at state. So, uh, speaking of other state competitions, Ryan, we have state swimming coming up yeah. this week in, in yeah, boys. Down in Boise, yeah, the 5A uh, swimming for the boys. I mean, Coeur d'Alene and, and Lake City are both representing pretty well, and Sandpoint, too, in the 4A. Uh, Lake City's got Logan Robillard. He's number one overall in the 200 free entering the state meet, um, and he's number one in the 500 free entering the state meet. Um, their, uh, their 200 free relay team is also number one um, going into the state meet with the, the number one time so far this year. Uh, Stephen Griffith is entering number three in the 200 free. Uh, Zachary Castaneda is number four in the 50 free and number three in the 100 freestyle. And then Ben Linford's number three in the 100 backstroke. And all those times, really, I was kind of looking at them. 
um, and how they did the seeding, they're all within a second or two of the lead. So, I mean, you, you go into the state competition, it's a pretty level playing field that, you know, somebody gets a great start or a not so great start. Um, you could see anybody that, you know, is competitive with that top five, six range that's going to end up placing a state or maybe winning it all. Coeur going to be re represented by Mason Groff. He's got the number one overall time in the 100 butterfly and the number three time in the 200 individual medley. And they have the number three, 400 freestyle relay team. Um, the Sandpoint boys have Hayden Levitt, who's number three in the 50 free and number one in the 100 free. And Caleb Norling, who is number three in the 200 free and number two in the 100 free. So um, some good representation on the boys' side. On the girls' side, I mean, <laughs> Lake City's going to – I mean, they are running away with this one. If you look at the overall times this year, um, they have been absolutely dominant. They've got the number one 200 medley relay team, 200 free relay team, and 400 free relay team. Um, and those times aren't really that close. Um, Julia Pierce is number two in the 50 free and number three in the 100. And then Gabrielle Garaski is uh, number two in the 100 free and number one in the 100 free. Uh, and Emma Fritz is number four in the 200 free. Riley Taylor's number one in the 200 individual medley, number one in the ba 100 backstroke. And then uh, Hema Anain is a freshman who's got the number two overall time in the 500 free. And then uh, Trista Silfer is number four in the 100 backstroke. Um, and then in the four A's, you've got a freshman, Riley Bamer, for Sandpoint that's number four in the 50 free and number one in the 100 free. Uh, Emily Ballard's number two in the 200 free and number five in the 500 freestyle. They have the number one ranked 400 freestyle relay. And then Lakeland, Annika Olson's number one overall in the 100 breaststroke. And then they have the number two 200 freestyle relay team. So some competitive uh, swimming from the, the north going into state. Lake City, obviously, in the girl side and the boys side, looks very, very strong um, as a team and also individually. So Expect some uh, some good times this week uh, down in Boise. Yeah, I did want to give a shout out too while we're talking about swimming. Um, I've I've kind of been following uh, via the Wallace Miners Athletics page on social media, um, but Wallace has had a couple of really awesome male swimmers this year, including Dorsey Pearson, who did qualify for state uh, in the two hundred uh, freestyle, I believe. Yeah. But their head coach Ed Chilgren says uh, Dorsey now owns every individual freestyle Wallace high school male record. He has just demolished the Wallace <laughs> record book this year. And some of those records were very long standing. So it's really, and there's only two classifications in swimming and I know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to get some stiff competition from big schools and big cities. So, yes. So good luck to uh, Dorsey Pearson. Uh, yeah. 200 yard free uh, competing for Wallace this week as well. So I, I love when the, the smaller schools um, are able to break through on the bigger stage. And uh, we, we talked about Wallace. They, they kind of got robbed in volleyball. I thought uh, they should have been at state. And so it's yeah. nice to see them being able to send somebody to state swimming to compete. So, yeah, absolutely. So hats off to them and good luck this week. Uh, I believe it starts tomorrow if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, at the YMCA in Boise. So we're going to have some fun down at the YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, won't, I won't bust in a song or dance on that one. <laughs> we appreciate that, uh, especially for those that are watching the video of this on the YouTube channel or the IdahoSports.com Facebook page. You can also get audio of this podcast uh, wherever you download your podcasts, as well as our website, 
idahosports.com. Well, the Wallace football team was in action last week in the opening round of the 1A playoffs. We'll recap everything that happened in the football postseason and get you ready for the quarterfinal matchups this week as well. Uh, when we come back, we'll take a break here from our sponsors from the Idaho Division of Public Health, and we'll be back in just a flash here on the North Idaho PrepCast on idahosports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Welcome back to the North Idaho PrepCast, idahosports.com. Brandon Bainey with Ryan Skaggs. Let's uh, break down what happened uh, over the football landscape last week. Let's start with the game that you were at, uh, the Class 4A ranks, Sandpoint the number one seed overall, uh, 46 nothing lead at halftime over Mountain Home, and 46 nothing was the final as well. Yeah, and they pulled the starters in half. They didn't play a single starter in the second half of that game, and uh, the backups pitched a shutout too. So, I mean, Mountain Home got close. Sandpoint got a turnover uh, in the red zone, got the ball back, and, and really stopped any hopes. Mountain Home didn't have a single first down in the game until about two minutes left in the first half. Um, so that Sandpoint defense it was legit. They're for real. And, you know, they were without two of their better defenders. Cody Steiger's out um, and and one of their defensive ends. But they, it, it's like next man up, and th- that kid's just as good, if not better. I think that um, the, the guy that they've got in replacing Steiger in the secondary might be better in coverage um, than Cody. Cody's awesome against the run. He was an all-league defender uh, last year. And um, so we hope he heals up and, and gets better. But I mean, that Sandpoint team is, is for real. We talked, talked about them all year. Like I said, Hey, they're the fa- They're my favorite for the championship. Yep, um, yep. I know that they're, they were up there for you as well. I think after some of the th- way things shook down this weekend in the tournament, um, they, I think it continues. I, I their draw has got better um, in my opinion, as far as, you know, some of the other games that happened on that side of the bracket, um, they could realistically be hosting in the Kiwi Dome in two weeks. So, I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me one bit. Absolutely. We'll take a look at that bracket in just a second, and I agree. It sets up very nicely for Sandpoint. And, and, and here's the thing, too, is that in that game, I mean, Co- or, uh, Garrett Cox only had 77 yards rushing on 11 carries and four touchdowns. That was all in the first half. And so him and Parker Pettit and all those other guys, they didn't play in the second half. I mean, that's one half worth of stats. They're fresh. They're coming into the Shelly game. And I don't know if it's going to be the same result. It could be close. I mean, Sandpoint's that good with that defense. I mean, I'll put them against anybody. Yeah. Uh, one one thing we haven't really talked about with Sandpoint is that they navigated most of the regular season without their best wide receiver, Cody Newhart, right? Yeah, and Newhart's back. And yeah. he had a couple fantastic catches. He had a huge catch. I think it was like a 61-yard reception. He got caught inside the five. Um, but, you know, they're they're back. I mean, they're at full strength entering this minus Steiger, obviously being out on the defensive side. Um, but, the, you know, they haven't missed a beat without him. Yeah. yeah. Cody Newhart was first team all conference wide receiver last year as a sophomore. So he mm-hmm. it's just dripping with potential as well. Uh, Lakeland was the other team that was in action. We'll go ahead and pull up the 4A bracket now. So if you're following along here on IdahoSports.com, uh, you can see the uh, or on the video of this on the Facebook page or YouTube channel. You can see the bracket up on the screen. Lakeland was the other team. They were the 11 seed. They had to play the defending champs from Skyline in the first round. This was the game that I was on the call of, Ryan, in Holt Arena. Uh, 42 to 21 Skyline wins, but that final score is deceptive because Lakeland led 
pretty much until the fourth quarter and just uh, a couple of costly turnovers uh, turned into some skyline points. And once they got the momentum, skyline was able to pull away. Yeah. That, that pick six, I think was the backbreaker. Um, you know, you could, and I, I could hear you and, and Tim on the call, like that, that you could start seeing them running out of gas a little bit. Um, I mean, a spirited effort. I mean, they played lights out on the defensive side. And we kind of mentioned that, like, their defense is going to keep them in every ball game they play in if they're going to be playing tough opponents. Um, it was kind of a microcosm. It looked eerily similar to that post-falls game. To our halftime, you know, they were within seven. And then the second half, they just started running out of gas. They, they started third quarter hot, and then it just kind of petered out. And, uh, you know, Turnovers in that game were crazy. I know that you, like you said, you got the call, but I'm listening to it. And it was just nuts. I mean, it was like every possession, it seemed, or every other possession, there was a turnover. Um, so it's kind of that battle of attrition. If who can just weather the storm and hold on to the ball finally at the end is going to win it. And uh, Skyline won it pulling away at the end. But that's that score is deceptive for how close that game was. Yeah, I think the, the big difference was in the first half, John Cornish ran the ball extremely well for Lakeland. Uh, to the tune of almost, you know, seven or eight yards a carry. Uh, and then in the second half on Lakeland's first drive, they went three and out very quickly. Pass, 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 three and out. The next time they got the ball, they tried doing some read option stuff where they held on to the ball like for a really long time at that mesh point to the, to the point where it was Devin Suko keeping it. And so they just, for whatever reason, in the third quarter, John Cornish, I think, only had one carry. So that's where it kind of got away from from Lakeland, I thought in, in the, in the second half, but uh, they, they did hang tough. So yeah, that's the thing about playoff football. I mean, like you can second guess a coach, but you kind of got to stick with what butters your bread. And, you know, you see a lot of teams that try doing something different or going outside the box and either, I mean, it's feast or famine. They're going to either, you'll blow up for like, you know, 21 extra points because you found a formation that worked or the teams that just are steady and, and keep going at what got them there. They'll find success and and skyline to their credit. I mean, they kept going to that wide receiver. That that kid is huge. Yeah, um, Kenyon Sadiq. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then I mean, and then the running back was had a great game too. And and you know they just kept kept chipping away at it. They didn't, you know, they found a way to get over the turnover bug late in the game, and then just keep it on the ground. You know, don't do too much or try to do too much. And they found success. Got a couple huge plays. Their defense. That Farnsworth kid had a heck of a game. Um, for Skyline that, you know, I mean, like I said, that score was deceptive for how close the game was, but Skyline for the last 10 minutes of that game was absolutely dominant. Yep, they sure were. And we'll see if they can continue that into the quarterfinal round. One last note I will say with Lakeland is uh, their their depth really hurt them, right? John Cornish and Alden Waddington are their two best players in offense. Well, they're, they're the two best players on defense as well. And that's, yep. that can be a problem sometimes as well. So uh, for Lakeland, uh, they finished five and five, and and we'll try and build. I know they're losing a lot of talented seniors, so we'll see how they can replenish uh, the the next year. L let's talk about Sandpoint. They're the only team left. Uh, they're going to host Shelley, the number eight seed in the quarterfinals. Uh, this is one of just two matchups that's playing out according to Chalk here, Ryan. As we saw, yeah. num number three Minico get upset for the first time, first loss of the year. Fourth seeded Emmett is out. And now you're looking at Sandpoint's side of the bracket. Obviously, they have to get past Shelley, but then they've got number 13 Nampa and number five Blackfoot on their side. I think this sets up really well for the Bulldogs. It does. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you got to take care of business this weekend, obviously. But I mean, when you're able to keep games in the North, where they're going to, they got, I believe I talked to uh, um, Mr. Knowles, their, their athletic director last week. They got approved from the state they can host the semi since they have turf. 
um, you're going to get to play a home semifinal game. I mean, <laughs> in North Idaho in, in November, uh, I'll, I'll take the Bulldogs in that running game all day long. But um, that, uh, yeah, this bracket was interesting. I mean, I was watching the scores during my game, um, not just because I'm not doing my job, but it was because it was interesting, like seeing that Emmett uh, Nampa score was just like, what's going on with Emmett? Because they they lost that game last week, the week before to Valley View. It was just a weird score. It was like 8-7. Yep. And then they just lay an egg against Nampa. And then Blackfoot, obviously, is Blackfoot. I mean, they're on a roll lately. They started a little rough this year. I think that their their record's a little deceptive of how good they are. Um, but, I mean, they, they took care of their business and won their district title. So, obviously, they got the five seed. Um, Middleton was down a little bit this year. I mean, obviously – that you know so nothing against blackfoot and the moroccos like they're they're a solid team um but it is it is a favorable draw for sandpoint i mean you got shelly that i think sandpoint has the potential on offense to blow the doors off of anybody it's how do they want to do it you know they can show up and if they want to pass the ball parker pettit is more than able to pass especially with cody newhart back oh good golly i mean you've got max frank cody newhart out there uh ari vandenberg that he's got targets and so they're going to be able to, you know, if they wanted to get into a passing game where they've got to just go into a track meet, they're going to keep up with anybody. If they want to pound the rock, uh, I mean, good. we saw Wes Benefield get in the backfield in the second quarter against Mountain Home, and he had like a 27-yard touchdown run. So, I mean, whatever, it was kind of like daring somebody, like if you're going to stop our running game, like go ahead, put nine in the box and just try to stop us, and they couldn't. Right. Um, as I look at this uh, quarterfinal matchup, Brian, here's my on-the-record picks for the for the final four. Okay, I, I like yeah. Skyline and Pocatello on the bottom. Okay, Sandpoint up top. And are you ready for this? I like yeah. Nampa. I like Nampa to go beat Blackfoot. They're playing tough, man. They're playing tough. They I would, yeah, I wouldn't. Be, I'm gonna go. Okay, we're going all dogs in the quarters. I got Sandpoint and Nampa. Okay, uh, I've got BK over Pokey, and then I got I like Skyline over Valley View. Yeah. Either way, this is not how we drew it up when, no. when the playoffs started. <laughs> not, not in the least. Not in the least. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, let's move on to the 3A ranks. Uh, I predicted that Kellogg would go to South Fremont and win. They nearly did. They fell 35 to 30. I think what happened in this game was they got down two scores early and then yep. matched South Fremont score for score the rest of the way. They could just never make up that two score deficit. Yeah. Then, you know, and that's that's kind of it was similar to what happened against Timberlake. Um, it, you know, they get into a track meet. It, their defense isn't I don't want to say isn't good enough to to win ball games, but it can certainly keep them in it. But yeah, they're they're not built to to play from behind. Let's put it that way. With that offense, they want to get out early. They're going to start playing defense with their offense, um, making sure that they can keep the ball, keep the ball moving up the field, chew some clock, run the ball chew some more clock, run the ball some more. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, South Fremont was a tough draw in the first round. Um, like I think I told you it's a toss up game for me. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of leaned towards South Fremont, even though I didn't want to turn my back on a team from the North, but um, I just didn't know if Kellogg had the legs to keep up in that game. Um, but you know, th they had a great season. They really did. And um, I look for more good things from them next year too. They're, they're, going to be solid again so um you know they'll be around in the iml and the and you know timberlake 
has a tough draw this week. So <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that for for Kellogg next year. I mean, pretty much all all the main guys will be back. So yeah, they would be my favorite for the IML next year. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, Timberlake got a first round bye, but then what happens is they reseed, they, they 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 reseed they reseed all the teams one through eight. Timberlake gets the number seven seed. They got to go to Gooding to take on the undefeated Senators, the number two seed overall. This is a tough matchup. And, and, you know, honestly, top to bottom, I think this is the toughest bracket of any classification. Like as far as you look at, you know, the level of play. I mean, Homedale's good. I mean, any other year, Weezer's going to be there. Gooding's going to be there any other year. Sugar's going to be there any other. I mean, it's you kind of look and you pick, and it's like you, what we've seen historically in the three A's, any of these teams in the level of play that you see could have won a state state championship, you know, in the past five, six years. Um, so there's, there's great football 3A right now being played. And, you know, Timberlake having a, a good record and playing some good ball – getting a seven seed is just like, I mean, that's indicative of like how good this bracket is. Yeah. Um, because a lot of years, Timberlake would be a top four seed, but yep. only yeah. seventh here. Uh, <laughs> we, we know Timberlake wants to run the ball. Gooding has some big dudes on defense. Yep. They've got an overpowering, big, strong offensive line. Their quarterback is six, four, two forty, two fifty. Uh, yeah. Colston Loveland at tight end for Gooding, obviously a, a physical specimen as well. So, uh, for Timberlake, ball control, I think. If yep. they can control the clock and, and keep Gooding's offense off the field, maybe they have a shot. But, get a turnover. I mean, it's going to take yeah. a couple a couple plays on the other side of the ball for defense to get the ball back, not just hoping that they hold them to field goals or, you know, a lot of time and a touchdown. Um, if they if they get into a track meet, they're dead meat. Um, that's not Timberlake's MO. Is to get out. I mean, they're like you said, they want to control the ball. They're going to control the clock. They're going to try to hope for four yards of carry and just keep running it. And then they're going to have their one play action pass that they hope goes for 45 yards. That's been Timberlake forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in terms of the coaching, I think this matchup is uh, two, two of the best coaches that are left in the field, Cameron Anderson and Gooding, and obviously Kelly Amos and yeah. Timberlake. Uh, very, very solid know how to win this time of year. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to go late and, in the year and, and find success and prepare your kids. Um, Timberlake, like I said, they've had a great year, you know, district champs. Gooding's a great team too. Um, so no favors on the draw, but you know, the Tigers got their hands full. Yes, they do. Uh, let's talk about two a real quick. We talked about how this was one of just two regular season games taking place last week. The other one was Clark fork finishing their season over Kootenai with, with a strong win. Yeah. Um, but, but St. Mary's uh, was hosting Grangeville in a game that was going to decide the, the CIL, the central Idaho league and determine which of those two teams would make the playoffs and get to travel to West side for the first round. And just like last year, it was a close game, but Grangeville ultimately pulls it out uh, 21 to 14 over St. Mary's. Yeah. Yeah. I took the Lumberjacks. I thought that they could, they could pull the shocker in a 12, seven game or something like that. And it ended up being Grangeville 21 to 14, but um, two evenly matched teams. I mean, that have had their struggles this year. I mean, partially due to scheduling um, just going up in competition. So the records are kind of deceptive. They don't play a heavy two a schedule because there's only three, two a teams up here. So they're forced to play 3A and 4A teams. Um, and, you know, so it, it does hurt the record. They're playing Washington schools that are going up too. And, you know, so it's just the nature of the beast of being the size of school they are in North Idaho. If they were, 
they can't go down because they're not going to play eight man. So they're kind of stuck in the middle. <laughs> right. They are. They're kind of stuck in no man's land. Uh, Grangeville didn't score the game winning touchdown until there was a minute to play. Yeah. Um, Jared Lindsley scored the game winning rushing touchdown inside of a minute. So St. Mary's has nothing to be ashamed of. They, they finished the year one and five uh, again, kind of a, kind of a weird COVID-19 impacted season, but Again, Timberlake's uh, or Timberlake St. Mary's, uh, I think, has uh, obviously a great coach, Coach Teft, and yeah. some younger players they can build around. So yeah, they've got some guys coming back. So next year, I think that they're expecting a stronger unit next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're also expecting success in winter sports too. I mean, I don't want to say like, hey, they're looking ahead. Um, but you know, they've got they got some bragging rights to kind of keep intact. And um, Coach Teft does a great job. I mean, I've, I've met him numerous times and he does a great job preparing his kids and, and doing a lot with what he has. And, you know, there was, there was spots where the cupboard was a little bit bare this year, I think. Um, but moving forward, I mean, there's a lot of promise in that team. I really do think that I don't want to, I don't want to go on a limb and say like, Oh yeah, they could win a state championship next year, but I definitely think they're going to be more competitive next year than they were this year, just based on experience. Yep, I agree with that. And yeah, boys basketball for St. Mary's, uh, trying to run it back, defending 2A champs. That'll be a lot of fun to talk about as we get into the winter months. Um, yep. 2A, real quick, Grangeville. Uh, I think it's a short stake. Westside is so good that it wouldn't yep. have mattered who won that game. Westside no. probably moving on. Uh, 1A, D1, Wallace, we talked about, had to go play Oakley. They played in Riggins, which is kind of cool, where Leighton yep. Vanderash used to run around and make plays. Uh, Wallace falls 64 to eight. And we talked about this was going to be a tough matchup with Oakley and just the experience of getting to the playoffs was huge for Wallace and, and yeah. coach Jared Young. Yeah. I mean, a chance to, to get there. Um, and, and, and I mean, I hope they helped to make some noise, but I, I think we all kind of knew what Oakley was bringing to the table uh, in that game, but you know, for future future success and getting more kids to come out and getting to the postseason does. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it's guaranteed to get you more the next year, um, but you might get some of those fringe kids. When you have, you see some success in your program, you're going to get maybe, you know, in the, at the school that size, maybe one, two kids more um, that may not have played next year that are going to be like, okay, I want to be part of a winner. Um, that, you know, success breeds success. So hopefully that pays dividends in the long run for, for Coach and his, his squad there out in Wallace. I think it's going to be so fun next year when Wallace and Lakeside jump down to the D2 level and are playing with Mullins, St. Regis, and yeah, Clark Ford. Way competitive. Yeah. yeah. And that and, and does that become a two-bid league next year? I think so. Well, I think it does, doesn't it? I mean, it a bid and a half. Well, it can't be a bid and a half. So so the coaches, the coaches all sit down and figure out the bracket in D2. So that's something they'll talk about, I think, this summer probably. And yeah. I would be surprised if they didn't get two bids. They got to, and D2, let's just be honest, they got to reseed it like all the other ones do. Like you look at some of these matchups and you've got like a well, number four from one district versus a number three from another. It's like, let's, 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 let's talk about it. The one AD2 bracket. Well, let's put it up on the screen. playing another champ, district champ. And then on the bottom side of that bracket, you've got the number four from district from, a, the, or them, yeah, the number four from what district four. four. Yeah, and then yeah. the number three team from district. Uh, six, four. four, four. Yeah. They're both from four, two league opponents. I, I mean, fan wise, I think that they'd be like, yeah, re let's not play each other. But some coaches are probably like, heck, heck yeah. We get a chance to play somebody that we are familiar with for a spot in the semis. Like, you know, they came out like bandits. 
Um, Mullen St. Regis, I mean, there was no favors getting a bye week in that one. No, no. Because they now travel to carry the uh, heavy state title favorite in uh, the 1AD2 ranks. Uh, so so you've got Ryan. You already had a, a district champ lose, North Gem, right? Got upset yep. by Camas County and probably the, the wildest outcome of the weekend. Then you have two district champs playing Horseshoe Bend and Kendrick. And the yep. other two district champs, Mullen, St. Regis, and Kerry. By the time we get to the semifinals, there will only be two district champions left. And that's by the way this bracket was set up. Yeah. I mean, it's a disservice, I think, to the, the competitive balance. Um, and it, obviously it being set up by the coaches, it kind of like, I understand for travel reasons, but that beyond that, it doesn't really, I don't understand it. And, um, for a product, cause I don't, I mean, you're going to have two teams that were district champs that are going to be left home, like from that, from possibly playing in that semifinal game. Um, and that's no, that's no like slight to Dietrich or Camas County or Rockland or Castleford. But at the same token, like you want to spread out those teams that did what they were supposed to do instead of forcing them to play each other week two. I mean, with five districts, not every team is going to get to host a quarterfinal game, right? There's only four games. But but shouldn't four of the five district champions get a home game in the quarterfinal round? Kind of like 4A? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that would – and even in 4A too, like they allow the higher seed to host. So – I mean, if you even if you seeded this thing, like you can come out and if they pull the shocker, but you're still better seated than the other team on the other side, then yeah, then you get to host that game. Congratulations. But this just, I mean, I see it penalizing. I mean, Carrie even like could say have a claim that like, hey, this isn't fair. Like we have to play another district champ. Like that's like give us Dietrich or Camas County or Castleford or Rockland or whatever. Like make it a true quarterfinal type game where you should be playing a lower seed. Yeah, that game will be in carry Saturday, 1 p.m. on IdahoSports.com. And we, we've we known this was going to be the matchup for several weeks now, right? Yeah. We, we've known that it was going to be Mullen St. Regis at Cary. And when it when it, the matchup first presented itself, I thought, boy, that sucks for Mullen St. Regis. That is like a huge bummer that they won their district. They had a great regular season, and now they have to go play Cary. Well, now my thinking is shifted. It's shifted to the point where I say, this Give sucks up. for Kerry. This yeah. sucks for Kerry because I think Mullen St. Regis is really good. And I think Mullen St. Regis goes down there and 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 defeats Kerry. That's yep. that's how good I think Mullen St. Regis is. And they could be playing in the dome next week. I mean, let's I mean, because then they'd get to host the following week, which would be fantastic for them. Um, you know, I'm I'm with you in that thought process. You're gonna have to play the best team at some point, whether it's in the title game or whatever, semis or whenever, you gotta beat who's in front of you. Um you know, if they take care of business against Kerry, they're, they're thinking there's no reason. Like, it's our title. Like, let's go get it. I mean, a Mullen St. Regis Kendrick final would be awesome. Like, let's be <laughs> honest. Like, that game in Moscow would be sweet. And it's something that we've wanted to see for a while up here. Um, I'm not saying that Kendrick's going to run away against Horseshoe Ben, but I'm calling Kendrick in the win on that one. Um, and it's because I know what the Tigers are capable of doing. The Tigers are good. They're a really good team. Um and you had them earlier, and we've had them earlier in the year in that uh, opening week um, game at M- Middleton High School. So um, the North, I think, yeah, I'm, I like Mullen St. Regis. I think this is their time. I really do. I nothing against Kerry, but you know that that crew and everything that they do and all the work that they have to do and bend over backwards to get practices either in St. Regis or in Mullen, it's all working towards something. 
And I think hopefully this is the year that it, that it flips. Yeah. Carrie, uh, they've looked kind of vulnerable the last couple of, I mean, they only beat castle Ford by 10. They almost lost to Dietrich in the regular season finale. Um, I, I just, I think Mullen St. Regis is playing really well. They're fresh, right? I don't, I don't know that a single starter has played in a single second half this year because every game has pretty much been decided by halftime for Mullen St. Regis. And so their, their lone loss, I mean, to a Montana school, that's really good. I mean, they played up the coach coach talked about wanting to play the best competition. So, I mean, Mullen's a, they're battle tested. Yeah. Just uh, as a reminder, Thompson Falls, the team they lost to from Montana, they're undefeated. They're 10 yeah. and 0. Yeah. And they they are playing in their state quarterfinals in Montana this week as well. So that was and that was a that was a dang good game. I mean, coach your the coach that when I was out with COVID, like their coach came on the podcast and talked about it and and about what they've been doing there. And um I I Mullen St. Regis, it's their time. I, I really do like that program and the kids that are there. They've got some dudes. Um, they've got playmakers. They've got size. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They play great defense. Um, the Trogdons are good. Like so, yeah, they're going to be. Uh, that's my pick. <laughs> yep, I I like Mullen St. Regis to go down there and and get the win. And and all season long, I've said that North Gem was kind of my favorite to win the one eighty two title, and they obviously are done. So yeah. Mullen St. Regis is my new pick for the one AD two state championship. There are, there are Cinderella here, darling. I don't want to say they're Cinderella. Cause I think that they've earned the right to be a favorite. I think, I think they're a Cinderella in terms of nobody else in the state really knows about sure. them and what's going on, but well, they're I mean, isolated at the top of I 90 on the top of lookout pass. It's like, all right, hang out up there. Like <laughs> right. do your thing. <laughs> no doubt. I'll tell you the other team that I think is looking really strong from the North as we wrap up with the five A's. We didn't have any five A games to talk about last week, so let's just yeah. preview what's coming up. Coeur d'Alene gets the first round by. They get to host Eagle. I like this matchup a lot for Coeur d'Alene. I will be honest. I think Coeur d'Alene at this point, lock it up for the state title game, and they are. I'm kind of leaning towards them as my favorites. I think really. I think by them hosting the semifinals that's such a huge advantage to get to the championship. And then, you know, whether it's mountain view or capital or, or, or Rigby or Meridian, I just think they have the offense to match up with any of those teams. You know, the thing about Coeur d'Alene is that they changed things on offense after that post falls game. Um, you know, they got a couple more guys that are on the defensive side of the ball involved and it's, it's added a total spark to that offense. Um, yeah, they're playing both ways now, but I mean, you look at their, their backfield now, they've got Julio back there. They've got deep threats now in the passing game. They've got cope at tight end that does a great job blocking, but he's a big threat in the red zone. I mean, he's just a big body, six, five, like two twenty. Um, so you've got a dude to throw to, but the biggest thing is on defense. He's been showing up now. Like he's been in the backfield wreaking havoc, especially in teams that can pass, um, Against Eagle, Eagles obviously missing their best player, um, and that's been since week one. I think is when they lost him in, um, on the kickoff return. I think he blew out his knee or something like that. But um, his, his his first play of the year, Ethan McKee, the first play of the year yeah. was a forty nine yard bomb for a touchdown. That's and, then, was, yeah. and then the next play, done for the season. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, they're without him, but they've been successful without him. Um, but you look at that that conference that they're in, and it's like, hey, you're number three in the West. Um, that West was the tougher half, obviously, in my opinion. Um, 
when you have Rocky and Mountain View <laughs> and Eagle on that side of, of the conference. Um, well, as, as far as in the SIC, but um, no, I mean, Coeur d'Alene, if they buckle down on defense, they don't allow the scramble big plays like they did against Post Falls. They they play like they did against Lewis and who has a tough running game. Eagle kind of mimics, I think, Lewis in a little bit in the running game. I mean, Eagles, but they, I think they got a better quarterback in my opinion. Um, that's no offense to McCarter Lewis, and he does a, a good job. Um, but it's a better opponent than Coeur d'Alene's face and all, but Coeur d'Alene's battle tested. We saw them go to the West side. I'll take Coeur d'Alene this week. I don't know if they get by next week, um, either against Rocky or Highland. That's a tough draw. Rocky's so good. Um, I don't, yeah. I'll tell you, I don't think Rocky survives this week. I think Highland. Think Highland does, yep. I like Highland. They only lost 12 Ooh. to seven in week zero. And okay. I, I think Highland's playing really well. And I, Rocky just hasn't blown me away this year. Yet. <laughs> But I mean, Rocky's got the postseason history and everything too. So um, I'm going to go Mountain View in the semis. I think obviously Rigby takes care of Capital, um, Coeur d'Alene over Eagle, and then I got Rocky over Highland. Okay. I've got the same, except I, I like Highland instead of Rocky. Okay. And Coeur d'Alene to me, of the teams that are left, they have the best offensive line. Oh, they, by far. Sanford, by far. the crew up front, those hog mollies are so good. Yeah, and and you look at the defensive side of the ball too. They're great on defense. I mean, the the if I say there's one you know slight in the armor for Coeur d'Alene, it's running games, like a solid running game with an equally good offensive line, like what we saw with Sandpoint. Um, but Coeur d'Alene has since fixed it, and you saw what they did to Lewiston, and you know they've kind of spread their attack out a bit more, and they've using they're using their linebackers on more blitzes. And it's made a huge difference. Berger at middle linebacker is an absolute freak back there. Uh, and for Coeur d'Alene as well, uh, this matchup with Eagle, uh, talking to Wayne DeZubak, who did the Eagle game last week for us on IdahoSports.com, he said that Eagle's running back, Deegan Martino, left with an injury. And uh -oh. not, not sure if they'll have him or not. So I didn't know that. That could okay. that could swing into Coeur d'Alene's favor. The guy yeah. the guy they're really going to have to stop and key on is is wide receiver Ian Duarte. He you is their their secondary so good. Yeah, oh I know. Gosh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's a strength for Coeur d'Alene. That's I think that that's an that can kind of cancels each other out. So you go to another area. You look at inside the front seven. Coeur d'Alene's yeah. front seven is so good. Damn yeah. that good. The the de the defense and the offensive line. That's why I, I like Coeur d'Alene, uh, not just this week, but but every week moving forward. Duarte is a kid that came from California, and he he was like legit in California. He's getting like high D one baseball yeah. looks as well, uh, and just like like happens down there, right? Lots of people are moving from California to the Treasure Valley, and so Eagle is reaping the benefits there. But if you can stop him, then you've got a great chance. So sweet, yeah. And I'll uh, go Vikes because. Not because I live in Coeur d'Alene, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously favoring the teams up north, but Coach Amos does such a great job with those kids. And I think that they had a coming to Jesus moment after that post falls game and uh, really buckled things down. And, and they, I mean, they, you look at what they did on defense to Lewiston and held them to under 50 yards rushing. I mean, good grief. <laughs> I'll take the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, one last note, selfishly, as a uh, Montana Grizzly football fan, I, I've seen that a couple of these Coeur d'Alene offensive linemen 
uh, have been visiting the Grizz. Jackson Washington was in Missoula last week on, on a yeah. visit. Uh, Montana, let's sign this kid pronto. Let's do it. Let's get it done. <laughs> Jackson Washington is a very good offensive lineman. Let, let's continue to get all the best players from Coeur d'Alene to, to yeah, the Wyatt Sanford's another one. <laughs> yes. front, yeah. I mean, you've got Cody, yeah, yeah, Cope. I mean, good grief. Like that, that front line plus the tight end position. Yeah. They're, they're the best, probably the best unit in the, in the state of Idaho. And that lineman from Sandpoint signed with Montana last year. So let's, let's just continue to get all the best players from North Idaho. Cause they're the the crazy thing about Sandpoint. I was talking to their AD is like, he's like, we look at this this year and not to go back to four, a, but just because of the recruiting arena, he's like, you know, all the recruits or all the recruits showed up last year for that kid from Sandpoint on the front offensive line. And they saw all these sophomores. They're like, Holy cow. Like who's this kid? Who's And they get a laundry list now. And then they're all juniors this year. And it's more of the same. They're all hanging out, and there's more recruiters coming because that offensive line. I mean, their left tackles, you know, six foot four, probably two sixty five, and can, he's just a bulldozer. Um, you know, you run over that. They love to run over that left side of that offensive line, and uh, Garrett Cox makes hay. You know, if they're running, you know, zone left, it's guaranteed. I don't want to say guarantees, but it's seven, eight, nine, ten yards a carry if you watch them run left. It's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun talking about uh, all of the semifinal matchups and recapping the quarterfinals next week on a new edition of the North Idaho PrepCast. That'll do it for this week, though. I'm pretty excited. You're going to be back in Sandpoint again uh, Friday night for IdahoSports.com, right, Ryan? Yeah, I think they, they're getting me an apartment up there. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad place to live, so you'd be doing just yeah, fine. I'm on the lake. I mean, yeah, I'm used to it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Made for lake life. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, if you want to see all of the games that we are going to be broadcasting this week, uh, we got like 85% of the quarterfinal games covered. I mean, there's 24 games going on statewide. It's just impossible to get to all of them, but we got a good majority of them. You can go to the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com. That'll show you the entire broadcast schedule for the weekend. For Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the North Idaho PrepCast, brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. We'll see you next time on idahosports.com.